finish this sentence for me. Houston, we have a problem. You know where this, this statement came from? I, I, I did a little research. I, I, w- I don't, wouldn't necessarily encourage you to do this research as I don't know that it's uh, terribly important. But th- this little statement has quite a history. It is thought that it came from the Apollo 13 mission in 1970. But actually it came from the Apollo 13 movie. But nonetheless, I, this is a good statement. And the reason why it's a good statement is that it identifies a common experience that we all have. We all got problems. We all have problems, amen? We all have problems. These can be really little problems, like you get a flat tire, or it could be a really big problem, like your family's being torn apart. We experience problems every day. We live in this sinful world. We ourselves are sinners. We live amongst sinners Problems abound. And this morning, we are going to be tackling the the question, the issue, of how do we address God in prayer when we have problems? I imagine this is very applicable for you. If you're like me, we all experience problems every day. And for Catherine and I, in, in Dallas, we experienced a specific problem that was quite pressing. So Catherine and I used to work at an apartment complex. We were night managers. If someone needed help in the night, if they were locked out, or if they needed someone to call 911 for them, Catherine and I would do that. It was a, 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 an elderly living facility, so we, sometimes we would have to respond to, to people's medical needs, and so we would call on their behalf. Our boss, about three months prior to us moving here, our boss told us one Sunday, right after I had preached at our, at our church in Dallas, she told us that the building had been sold and we were going to need to find a new place to live. Now, the timing of this, it couldn't have been worse. We were going to have to move out December 20th, five days before Christmas, and we still weren't sure that we were going to get this job. And so we were thinking that we might have to get uh, do some type of month-to-month lease in Dallas as we waited for the the details of this job to be figured out. And also, what would would we do with our stuff? Would we pack it all up and then unpack everything? And and for our our children, not having Christmas, we weren't going to set up a Christmas tree because we just have to take it down. So it was a a big problem. And your, your problems might be different. They might be worse. They might not be as bad. But we share this common experience of of problems. We all have problems. And dear friend, God cares. God cares about your problems. And God has given us a tool so that we might address these problems to Him. God has given us a wonderful tool. And that tool is prayer. That tool is prayer. What God wants you to do with your problems is that he wants you to bring those to him. God wants to hear of your problems. And not just that, God wants to give you solutions. God wants you to bring these problems to him so that he can provide for you. That's what we're going to see from Nehemiah 1. Let's go ahead and open up there together. Nehemiah chapter 1, the same 
chapter that we read for our scripture reading time. We will cover verses 4 through 11. And to kind of set the context a little bit of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is a book about Israel's return from exile. Ezra is about the rebuilding of the temple. In the Old Testament, the way that the story develops is that Israel falls into sin and falls under God's punishment for their sins. And God brings in the Babylonians, and the Babylonians destroy the temple. They destroy the walls of Jerusalem. And the Lord takes the Israelites out of the land of of Israel and takes them into captivity, takes them into Babylon. Now we know that nothing can thwart the plan of God, amen? Nothing can thwart his plan. And God has a, has a purpose in bringing Israel back. And as they come back, Israel needs to rebuild the temple and Israel needs to rebuild the walls that protect Jerusalem. Ezra is about the rebuilding of the temple. Nehemiah is about the rebuilding of the walls. That's kind of the context. Look with me in verse 2, Nehemiah 1-2. Here we have a, a conversation that Nehemiah records for us. So there are a, a group of Jews who come back from Jerusalem, and they come back to where Nehemiah is. He's in, he's in Babylon. He's actually in Persia. Persia overtakes Babylon, but it's in the same location. It's north of Israel. And in verse 2, Nehemiah mentions that, that a few men from Judah, what they do is they return. And he says, I ask them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. Basically, he asks them how everything is going. And this is what they say to him. The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. So that's Nehemiah's problem. That's what the whole book of Nehemiah is about, Nehemiah addressing this problem. And his first step in addressing this significant problem is to pray. We're going to cover this prayer. And we want to see how Nehemiah prays to God to learn how we should pray to God in light of life's troubles, in light of the many problems that we face. I'll have five little observations for you. The first observation is this. When you have problems, when you are confronted with difficulty in life, in relation to prayer, do not be passive. Don't be passive. I want us to observe Nehemiah's response to this problem. Looking at verse 4, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Notice his response here. Notice Nehemiah's response. Notice what Nehemiah does not do. It does not say that, and I heard these words, and as soon as I heard them, I, meh, oh well, someone else's problem. Notice that Nehemiah doesn't take that tact. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He gets upset. He does something about it. 
One reason why I love reading Nehemiah is Nehemiah is a man of action. He takes a step towards solving this problem, and the, steps, the step that he takes here is to first pray about it. In our lives, oftentimes, we don't bring our requests to God. We don't bring our problems to God because I think of two reasons. I think there are two reasons why we might be passive in taking our problems to God. I think the first problem is fear. By addressing a problem to God, we acknowledge that there is a problem. With certain problems, sometimes it's easier to not even think about them. To to push them in the back of our minds to not pray about them. Because when we do, it's painful. And it takes courage to address life's most difficult problems. And, And if you're doing really badly, if you're doing very badly, there might be a lot of problems in your life. So rather than tackling and addressing this issue, you just might continue to not address it. And what prevents us from addressing our problems in life is that we lack courage. We're fearful. We're fearful of the truth. And I think the second sin that keeps us from addressing some of life's problems in prayer is apathy. At the end of the day, we just don't care enough. We'd rather be consumed with other less important matters. Rather than worshiping God, rather than tackling the problems in our lives and in our families' lives, we just become interested in less important matters. We're consumed with pleasure, we're consumed with ourselves, we're consumed with things that don't matter. This problem of apathy can keep you from addressing life's problems. And notice what Nehemiah does, taking him as the example. What does he do? The opposite of being passive is to pray. Is to pray with your problems, dear friend. With the problems that you have in your life, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with your work, whether it's in some different type of area. Do not be passive about those. Don't just meander through life, never addressing life's problem. That will lead you in the wrong direction. Based upon Nehemiah's example, what we must do is we must tackle these problems by means of prayer. Pray about them. God knows about them. You're not telling him anything new. He knows. He cares. He wants you to bring these problems to him. Pray. Next, the next uh, manner, the next matter of application that we see from Nehemiah in his prayer life is to recognize God's sovereignty. Recognize God's sovereignty. Looking at verses 5 and 6, this is how Nehemiah begins his prayer. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant. Notice how Nehemiah begins his prayer. I've, I've tried to reiterate this point. In our prayer lives, our prayers must be consumed with who God is. Even in times of trouble and difficulty. I want you to notice Nehemiah's posture. His posture is to praise God. 
His posture is to recognize that regardless of what he's going through, that God is still in control. In our prayers, we, we, we need to do this. We need to make a regular practice, regardless of, of how you're doing, that God's praises come off your lips over and over again, that your theology is not changed because of the difficulty of life. The greatest anchor that we can have in difficulty is believing that God has a purpose in it, that God is in control, that it's not meaningless, that the pain that we feel has a purpose. Hold on to that in prayer. Confess the sovereignty of God in your difficulty and in your problems. One of the great encouragements that I have as a pastor is to hear of what God is doing in your life. To hear what God is teaching you. You guys remember the, the Popeye cartoon? Popeye. What did he eat to get super strength? Spinach. Ugh. Hey, it worked for him though, right? Spinach, right? For me, as the pastor, what I eat to get those type of superpowers is to hear what God is doing in your life. I love to hear what God is doing in your life. I love to hear what God is doing in this congregation by bringing people to repentance, by, by leading them to have greater acts of faith. I love that. And so in the foyer here, we have this little bulletin board. I'd encourage you to look at that. And on the bulletin board, Roxanne, our, our, our new ministry assistant, what she does is she posts certain questions that she has for some of our new members. And there's one particular member who was asked this question by Roxanne. The question was this. What is the most important thing you think Christians need to know right now? That's a good question. What is the most important thing you think Christians need to know right now? So this is what this member said. Our holy God knows exactly what he's doing. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yes, yes, yes. We need that. You need that. You need that type of assurance that God is in control. And that as you have these problems, tell God what is true. Tell God that he knows exactly what he's doing. Regardless of how dark the nights are. That God will never leave you nor forsake you. Dear friend, hold on to that. Hold on to that. That is true. God is always with you. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's no asterisk there. There's no nuance. There's no qualification. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. If you are in him, if your sins have been forgiven by him, he will never turn his back on you. He was always with you. Remember that in your prayer life. Next, confess sins. The third takeaway from this passage with reference to our problems in our prayer life. Confess sins. Verses 6 and 7. Notice here, right at the, uh, it's towards the end of verse 6. 
Towards the end, Nehemiah says this, Confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Notice in verse 7, what is it that Nehemiah confesses to God on behalf of Israel and himself? Does verse 7 say, God, we have made some mistakes. God, we've gotten things wrong. No, he doesn't say that. What Nehemiah says is this. We have acted very corruptly. Dear friends, our problems, our problems, what, what, we, what we do towards God is not just mistakes. Yes, we make mistakes. But our sin is a bigger deal than a mistake. What is in our heart is not just mistakes, but, but sins. We, we sin against God. You sin against God. I sin against God. We together, we act very corruptly against God. That's worse than a mistake. That's me and you. That's us. You have sin in your heart, dear friend. I have sin in my heart. And sometimes in life, the reason why we have problems is because of that sin. I want you to notice here that, that Nehemiah is making a spiritual connection between the walls of Jerusalem being torn down and Israel's sins and his sins. Looking at verse 8, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. That is what has happened. In Nehemiah, the reason why Israel is scattered among the nations, the reason why the temple is torn down, the reason why the walls are broken down, the reason why, the ultimate reason why Babylon has come upon Israel and destroyed it is because of Israel's sins. Our problems in life can and do have a spiritual root to them. As Christians, what we must do is we must view the problems of our life not just in terms of like this wall being broke down, in terms of a construction problem, but in terms of a spiritual problem. Maybe the reason why you're struggling so badly is because of your sin or someone else's sin. That's what Nehemiah shows us. Now, in light of that, God has given us a tool in addressing that. And that tool is confession. God wants to hear you tell him what he already knows about you, which is that you have acted very corruptly towards him. God delights when I make confession to him. He delights for me to tell him the truth. And notice what Nehemiah does here. He confesses Israel's sins and he confesses his own sins. And I take that from, from this. Uh, the application is this. I think that in life, based upon Nehemiah and based upon other examples, if you have someone in your life who you're having problems with, if you think there's a spiritual problem, if, if there's a problem in your life and it's re related to someone else's behavior, I believe that you can take that person to God on their behalf 
and pray that God would forgive them. Take, for example, parents who have a wayward child. I think it's advantageous for you two parents to get together and for you to bring your child's name to God and for you to pray on their behalf that God would forgive them of their sins. I think that's very fitting. Let's say your spouse is, is, is not following God. Let's say your spouse is wayward. I think it's totally fitting for you to come to God on behalf of your spouse and to confess your spouse's sins to God and to ask God for his mercy and grace for your spouse. You can and should do that. And as you're doing it, dear friend, remember your sins as well. My perspective on on problems in life is that there's always enough sin to go around. There's always enough sin to go around. Oftentimes, the, the cause of the problem might be someone else, but we realize that as that problem has developed, we too have sin. We too have sin. We too have need of confession. And Nehemiah, he, he, he doesn't just point the finger at Israel. He, he does do that. He does recognize Israel's guilt here. But he includes himself as well. And so in your problems, yes, confess other people's sins. Yes, do that. But also take your sins to God as well. Dear friend, we have tremendous sin in our hearts. And as we sin and as we fall off the path, we must must come to God and ask Him for cleansing. We must tell Him, God, I, I need your cleansing. I need your forgiveness. I need you to cleanse me of my sins. You must do that, dear Christian. You must do that, dear friend. Confession needs to be an important part of our prayer lives together. Next point. Verses 8 and 10. Tell God His word. As you deal and address your prayer, your, your problems with God in prayer, tell God what he has said. Verses 8 and 10, 8 through 10. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. Verse 9, but, oh, praise God, there is a but. Praise God. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost part of heaven, parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Dear Christians, we always have hope. We always have hope. We always have hope that God will keep his word. And what Nehemiah does here is what my kids do to me. Dad, you said. Dad, you said. You said you would, Dad. That's like kryptonite to me. Man. Okay. Dad, you said you would do that. That's what Nehemiah is doing here. God, you said. You are a good God. You said, God, that you would pour your grace and mercy out upon Israel if we return to you. You said this, God. Now, Nehemiah's purpose here is not to tell God something that he does not know. God knows all things. But what Nehemiah expresses here is faith. Nehemiah expresses here faith in God's word. 
Sometimes as you're going through life's difficulties, all you have are the promises of God. All you have to hold on to are the promises of God. And as you go through difficulty, hang on to those with all your might and tell God what he's already told you. That God, you will be faithful to me. You will keep me. You will accomplish your will through me. Remind God of those matters. Show God faith in that way. God delights to hear that. It delights me when my kids remind me of that because they believe that I'm trustworthy. That's what we want to show God. We want to show that he, him that he is infinitely trustworthy. Last observation, last point of application. Ask God to act. Ask God to act with your problems, with the difficulty that we experience. As we approach God in prayer, ask God to answer your prayers. Verse 11, I get this from the very end. So after Nehemiah goes through this exalt, exalting God, confessing Israel's sins, confessing his own sin, reminding God of his word, Nehemiah's last statement in this prayer is found in verse 11. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. What exactly is Nehemiah asking here? You'll notice at the end of, at the end of chapter 1 it says, Now I was a cupbearer to the king. This man at the end of verse 11, this man whom Nehemiah is asking God to grant Nehemiah favor in the sight of, this man is this king. And this king to one, look with me there, the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. So Nehemiah is a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. What a cupbearer is, is a cupbearer would drink the, the, the king's beverage, his wine, so that the king would not be poisoned. So that's what Nehemiah did for King Artaxerxes. I guess Nehemiah wasn't a Baptist. So what Nehemiah does is he asks God for favor in the eyes of King Artaxerxes. And the question I want to end with is this. Does God answer Nehemiah's prayer? Does God answer Nehemiah's prayer? He does. Look in 2.8. Nehemiah has this encounter with King Artaxerxes. And Nehemiah writes this. And the king granted me what I asked for the good hand of my God was upon me. God answers prayer. For your problems, you have hope. I was visiting with Pastor Jesse this week and he mentioned to me that good godly Christian leaders always end with a point of hope. I want to end that way. God answers prayer. And maybe God put this problem in your life so that you pray to him and you see how he works and is faithful to you. If you do not bring God your problems in prayer, you rob yourself of seeing God act in your life. 
There is nothing more glorious than seeing the hand of God unfold in your life. Nothing more glorious. Do not rob yourself of that privilege. Do not rob yourself of that blessing. Ask God to act on your behalf. He is a heavenly father. He cares. He wants to hear from you. And he wants to answer your prayers. Ending where I started this morning. I started with that story of Catherine and I in Dallas with our backs against the wall, not knowing what to do. We didn't know what to do. Time was shrinking. We still hadn't heard an affirmative word as to whether or not I was going to get this job. We still had to come and visit. And we didn't have anywhere to live. And it's like, Lord, come on. Why do we have to be in this position? And so we, we prayed. We prayed. And we asked our family to pray, and we asked our friends to pray. And it was getting down to the wire. You know, we needed, we, 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 need, we started f- finding out what, what apartments were available, and, you know, the fees are astronomically high going month to month, and we just didn't know what to do. And so we prayed, and, and one day as I was riding my bike, I had this switch, this light bulb go off in my mind. And the light bulb was, well, why don't I talk to this person about this situation? Maybe they could help me. So I called Catherine, and she said, well, give it a try. So I went and talked to this person and this, and this lady this, who was so helpful. She said, well, let me give the boss a call. If you've got problems and, and the boss can help you, you want to talk to the boss, right? You want someone taking your problems to the boss. And so she got off the phone and she said, he said you could stay. And we were about three weeks out from having to move out. And my point in bringing up this story is not to highlight myself as a bastion of prayer. It's not to do that. Rather, it is to share with you a time in my life where God answered my prayer. And I share that with you to say that the same God that I have, dear Christian, is the same God that you have. The same God that answered Nehemiah's prayer, the same God that addressed his problems, and the same God that addressed my problems is the same God who can address your problems. We have hope. And that hope is that God cares. And that hope is that God is infinitely able and willing to answer and to provide for you the solutions that you seek. What you must do is you must, by faith, embrace these truths and take your problems to God. Total honesty. Bear your heart to God. Bear your sins to Him. Tell Him what He knows. And then you will find that you receive His infinite mercy and grace.